Welcome back to another episode of The Essentials with me, Maddie Flint. It's been a couple weeks, I think, since the last time I had a new show, but I've been trying to get ahead of the game with the college homework and everything else. Um, Today, I have a special guest. I have my father, Ted Flint, with me. You can also catch his podcast on the BMG Network, and that would be the Pac-Man Podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out the columns that he writes to. Today's topic is education theory, and this is part one of two different episodes that are going to be on the same topic. Um, and first up, we're going to cover our current education system. And uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to do that. By the way, this is uh, Ted. You didn't inter- did you introduce me? You know. Oh, together. <laughs> all right. As you guys probably all know, unless you're not super tuned into American political education, um, the Democrats are in control of almost every level of bureaucracy in the education department. Especially education. You're right. They, they control all levels of, of government, uh, government because the Democratic Party is the party of government. They're drawn to it. They want to control it. And the operative word there being control. And we're finding out, even at the local level, how much Democrats and liberals control the edu- educational bureaucracy. It's it's tough to crack that bureaucracy. We think we have the votes, uh, as we found out last summer in our local school board. We got the two uh, pro-mascot members in, but we were still thwarted because of the one of two remaining members on the Board of Education who has ties to the education department and bureaucracy. So, I mean, it's it's difficult to crack. The Democrats control the educational establishment, the government educational establishment. Yeah, see, we don't have those issues with private school usually or that's homeschooling. Right. So well, That's right. Homeschooling is controlled by the parents. It is. And ultimately, it's a parent's responsibility to educate their children. It's not the government's responsibility. We cede a lot of that responsibility, unfortunately, and we see what happens. The results are not good. We might wonder why they want to control so bad, but they do have an incentive to indoctrinate all of the young minds now because they're they're thinking a little bit further into the future, I feel like, than some of our conservative lawmakers because they're really obsessed with, with children because they know that that's, that's going to be the next couple generations of voters, or so they think. Yeah, they, they, they're playing the long game. We're playing the short game. I mean, they're playing chess. We're playing checkers. And we see the results of it. I mean, you're in, uh, in college now, SUNY Albany. You know who uh, controls the uh, the education. And, you know, do you feel as though you're being indoctrinated? Um, Yeah, because there's a huge underlying theme to almost every subject now, and that's social Darwinism. Um, and it just goes along with all these humanist theories and principles that I'm not shocked at. I expected this with higher education, but it's in every class. You know, I don't really want to do like evolution and Darwinism in English. I'd right. rather be doing like Shakespeare in English, but yeah, it's a theory. Darwinism is a theory. It's unproven. So why is it taught as though it's the, the law of the land, like it's absolute truth? And, you know, I was reading uh, just about this uh, this very topic in a book I've had for 30 or 40 years by Dr. Sterling Lacey. It's called Valley of Decision. And in it, he he says it's, and I believe this too, it's, it's a battle between Christianity and the religion of humanism, which is godless. And that's so true. That's why they have to turn to Darwinism to get like a solid answer, because without believing in God, nothing could make sense. Right. Creation doesn't make any sense. So... The Big Bang Theory and all these other evolutionist theories that they have are the closest thing 
to a hypothesized explanation mm -hmm. because they don't believe in God. Well, nowhere is this, this battle between Christianity and, and humanism more evident than in our public school system. And the liberals see that it's important to control the next generation, to control young minds, because they'll have control of the nation. And the power to control the content of a nation's textbooks is the power to control the nation's future. I'm going to quote your C.S. Lewis here, the great C.S. Lewis. He sent a warning to his fellow Christians when he said, I doubt whether we are sufficiently attentive to the importance of elementary textbooks. Now, you're seeing it in your college. I am. With your textbooks. Um, the textbooks are just terrible. Some of, Certain ones are a little bit better because they're more focused on the topic that they're supposed to be focused on. But um, if you've ever taken an American politics class or a public policy, um, some of that, the, the whole narrative of the textbook is changed around because of the author's point of view. And in a lesson, an educational space, you're supposed to be getting a neutral education on, yeah. say, politics or something so that they can allow you to form your own opinion. And you know, they push open-mindedness and everything, but the yeah. textbooks are terrible. Founding fathers in the American politics one is lowercase because they believe that the founders were racist sure. and, and whatever else that they can add to that. It's a wonder they're even mentioned. Yeah, well. The Founding Fathers. The fact that they're lower, lower cases. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to minimize the importance of the Founders and their contribution to our our nation. I mean, without, yeah. without George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, I mean, we wouldn't have the nation we have. They left us an mm -hmm. incredible nation that was founded on the principles, uh, uh, Christian principles. Right, and these colleges look at those principles and they think that they're outdated and that there's always room for new things and for improvement but why would you change just for the sake of change when our old ways were working out just fine think about the articles of confederation they were a disaster because we weren't unified and then even the structure we have now they want to do away with the electoral college yeah. which has a lot to do with representation of the people but they just the want to people. tear down everything that's already been founded they want to destroy the institutions that, that made the country great, the pillars of our republic. I mean, the churches and some of the institutions that uh, are, are responsible for giving us this great nation. That's that. Those are the things that the left is trying to destroy for whatever reason. I, mean, I think they want to destroy this nation. That's their ultimate goal. They view America as inherently racist, irredeemably racist, a, a, a portion of them. I think the other uh, there's also a portion that, that knows we're not racist, but they use that well, as that's a way the to divide thing. us. Yeah, that's right. the easiest thing to get people angry about. If you point out somebody's skin color, of course <clears> they're <throat> going to get offended. Mm -hmm. So by labeling everybody as a racist back then, it makes modern Americans really believe, like they fall into the trap that is being set right in front of them. So we know that the founders were white and there's... Yeah. there's yeah, it's no getting around it. I mean, you know. that. And that's not an issue. There's nothing wrong with them being white. That has nothing to do with how they ruled or like whatever. Um, the times were different then because yeah. I'm sure slavery was legal. I mean, you know, they, they were men of their of their time, and they need to be judged accordingly. I mean, according you can't judge them by time, right, their time, yeah. right? You can't judge them by 2022 standards. It's I mean, silly. look at us now. Abortion's legal. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. how many 60 million babies have been oh, aborted? in the name of, uh, you know, personal choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I could go off on a tangent on that. We, we could do that, yeah, for sure. Um, far off topic. Um, but yeah, so that's that was a brief documentation of what's going on in the textbooks that they expect you to take information out of, take notes on, learn it, 
teach for the test, take it all in. But in the process of this, a lot of kids who were not previously exposed to American history have no idea what the truths actually are, because this is their their first Introduction. exposure yeah, yeah. To, to this stuff. So this is what they're going to believe to be true. And a lot of them, when there's surveys uh, about how kids got interested in politics, they always say media first. And then mm -hmm. some of them say family, but media, that's a really dangerous um, source to be getting your quote unquote facts from today's media. Now, yeah. where did you get where did you get your uh, interest in politics? Well, you know, I got that from you. Well, I see, and, <laughs> and mommy mom, too. Yeah. But I was also during the time that I was homeschooled. I I had uh, American politics books and American history that was not trying to stray away from the, some of the ugly truths and the really good yeah. truths of yeah. the founding of our country. So I yeah. did have the freedom to decide where I wanted to take a stance on it. And there I used go. to think I was not conservative. I thought I was like a moderate Republican. But as I've grown up and really seen what how nasty the world is, um, I can world safely fallen. say I'm a conservative because I have good morals. <laughs> well, the, the world is fallen, and, and as God tells us. And uh, really, the world hates him. And if that's they hated him first, and they're going to hate us if we, if we love the Lord. Mm -hmm. So as you guys might be wondering, how could we fix everything? How can we get out of this disaster where we are? It feels like we're trapped and nothing we're doing is getting us anywhere. The protesting, the um, peaceful protesting, I should say, and just yeah. speaking up and, and doing everything respectfully, mm -hmm. like civil disobedience or whatever it is, voting, nothing like that is, it seems to be getting us anywhere, which leads us all to be pretty frustrated, but we can't lose our motivation to make a change. And we need to make the changes peacefully through the ballot box. And I know sometimes that, that doesn't always work out to our yeah. advantage, like last November. <laughs> and you know, that's it's dangerous really. I'm gonna make a, a statement here and it may be viewed by some as being incendiary, but I mean, when a certain portion of the American electorate doesn't believe their votes count. That makes a humongous difference. It, it's, that results. doesn't end well. No. As we saw on January 6th, there's a small portion of people thinking, well, if my vote, vote doesn't count, then, then why vote? Why vote? And, and something is being taken from me. And Americans don't like to be have things taken from them, right? especially their freedoms to mm -hmm. choose who they want to represent them. And right. I think that's uh, what largely would happen on January 6th. Uh, not to get off topic, how, how do we oh, combat right. it? I mean, how do we change things? I mean, you said uh, through the ballot box, or right. you or I said that. I mean, that's that's yeah. the start. And like this change isn't going to be rapid. We're not going to. We're probably not going to see it within the next few days or weeks or maybe even months. Or it's years, it's going to yeah. take years. It's going to take. It could even take decades. Like we don't know. But I want my kids someday to be able to grow up in a world where it, it won't be as terrible as this but i don't know about that because the world has fallen away so far that i don't know if we can ever get back to where like our grandparents and great-grandparents were right i think it's been the, the the changes have come incrementally i think they really started to to speed up though this is my theory i don't know if it's true or not but i mean in the uh, 2000 presidential election mm. the split Before was evident I was born <laughs> the, the split was evident then and, and the left thinks incorrectly that George Bush and his people stole that election. He won the election fairly and squarely. You know, we were treated to all these uh, recounts and the dimpled chads and the hanging chads in the Florida election. It's like he won by a few hundred votes. It was really tight, but he won. If he won by one vote, mm -hmm. he won. <laughs> and the left has never forgiven 
uh, Republicans for that. They think the, the Secretary of State in Florida, Catherine Harris, somehow rigged the election to George Bush's favor and the Supreme Court ruled in Bush's favor. I mean, the, the court made the right decision. Bush won the election. And I think that's where a lot of this began, this mm. this uh, this split that we're seeing now. It, it's more than Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Mm. It, there's a major split. I think we're, we, we can't really agree on even how to govern ourselves. Because political systems do shift. It, it yeah, just sure. take over generations, it happens based on you know society or like culture changes. But we really have reached a point where a conservative could say anything and somebody who claims to be a liberal who is more of a radical progressive will have something to say to counter it. Right. They won't agree on anything. Right, and and that's fine too. But we need to. There used to be a time where reasonable people could reasonably disagree. Right. Now the left can't. They can broach no divergence of thought or no disagreement. If you disagree with them, you're a racist or you're a homophobe or a xenophobe or whatever. It's gotten to be ridiculous at this point, and I think it really has. Uh, and I think we've reached the point possibly of no return. We just have to. We need to uh, try to convince people. Try to. Uh, make them see uh, to come to our way of thinking peacefully using logical arguments and uh, well but that's the thing though they they won't believe us even if we are showing them factual information because right. doctors are being fired right and just just regular anybody who is a free thinker um conservatives like candace owens any these people are getting censored from all media platforms you know so. you mentioned candace owens who's a young black woman very it does what she does very well she's written books you've, you've got her i do book. i have her book uh, it's incredible. You should go get it. Barnes & Noble has the copy, but they hit it. So you, you got to look. you got to look for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, Larry Elder, who's a talk show host out and he's based in California. He ran for governor yeah. recently. And I love Larry Elder. I think he's one of the best talk show hosts in the country. Mm -hmm. And the, I forget, I think it was the Washington Post who uh, said of Larry Elder, he is the black face of mm -hmm. white supremacy. Yeah. Which is, I mean... What can I you would, say about that? I would say that that's racist. It is certainly and racist. And for anybody to disagree with me on that doesn't know what racism is. The racists are in the Democrat Party, and they always have been, a majority of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim Crow, George, or uh, Joe Biden mentioned in a recent uh, speech he gave, he mentioned Jim Crow and all these, uh, the Ku Klux Klan. Again, these are Democrats. Yeah. Southern Democrats yeah. are the Ku Klux Klan. And still they are. And I've been told by some people who think they're like super knowledgeable about American past are saying Republicans were the KKK. Right. No, and they, they that's don't laughable. have their facts right. And I, I'm, I'm, I can't think of the other Southern figure, uh, uh, Jim Crow, and I can't think of the other one. But anyway, that last <laughs> birthday was a killer. But I mean, the, the real the, the real racists are in the Democrat Party. You, know, you can see that even among your I, liberal friends. Well, I have had firsthand experience with racism, and I can say that it's not from anybody conservative. My conservative friends don't look at me and point out my skin color first before everything else. That's just something that, you know, it makes me who I am, but it's not, it has nothing to do with right. my ways of thinking or, you know, how much I care for somebody else or like what I value more than anything else. Cause those are internal traits. Um, and my conservative friends and I would never judge somebody else for the external appearance. But I, I have some friends who are liberal um, <laughs> What's that like, having uh, liberal friends? Acquaintances. <laughs> acquaintances. Because they don't like me anymore. And they've called me whitewashed. They've called me um, xenophobic towards Native Americans, towards black people. Uh, I've been called a racist. Uh, I've been told that I'm really effed up. Um, by who? Um, by Let me know white 
liberal progressives. Uh, male or female both. or both? Point out the male ones to knock <laughs> them in the middle of next week. I don't you. know. Well, they seem like they have a pretty good idea of what's you know self-righteous because that's all that they care about. Yeah. And so they think that it's their job to educate me on what's racist and what's not. And I've, white. I've been told to check up on my own background. Yeah. And, and so they're all white. They are. Right to a man they, and a woman. they are. Now, in my view, I mean, your mother is black, I am white. I mean, a person's race is the least important thing about them. Yeah. Or should be. We should not notice that. We should look, you know, I looked, I saw in the light of Christ in mommy. That's what shown to me. That's that's the first thing I noticed about it. She was different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never dated a black woman before, mm -hmm. but there was something about her mom mm -hmm. that stuck out to me from all the rest. It's her personality. It's, and like I was saying sure before, is. that's internal. Yeah. That's that has nothing to do with like outward appearance for any of us. Yeah. It, you can tell a good person from a bad person. Right. And right away. looks is not part of that. Right. I, I don't know what she sees in me or what she saw <laughs> in me, but I, I know what I saw in her and I and I still see it and uh, and I see it in you you kids, you know. You, you're all beautiful and inside and out and I thank God for that. It's really neat to be sitting here doing a podcast with my daughter. You don't, you don't know how proud that makes me feel. Mm. I am so proud, and uh, this is you know, the best part of my life. It is. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's really special. Um, one day I'll get my siblings on here, and I think they would have a great time. Oh, I think, sure. I think Micah would, or Richie. Everybody that we know knows him as Richie, but his name is Micah. Uh, he's seven <laughs> he going is. on 30. He's the next generation. Yeah, you're, you're right. The other two are, 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 are very good, too. Mm -hmm. But Micah is uh, he's, he's something special. Extra. Yeah, he's he extra. Is. Yeah. <laughs> very verbal. Uh -huh. You know, we, uh, this, this podcast is heard on the BMG Network mm -hmm. uh, and many other platforms. So we talked about how race and socialism, Darwinism, humanism, communism, all the other isms, as Micah once told me, uh, have been really intertwined in almost every level of education. And, and it goes along with the whole like mask wearing and vaccine mandates sure. because it's the requirements are going towards younger and younger and younger people. And like little kindergartners are shown wearing their masks and they have to social distance and some of them can't eat in their classrooms. High schoolers at Cambridge school, at least, I don't know if this is the whole country, but it's definitely Cambridge because uh, my sister Isabel has told me they're not allowed to have any mask breaks. No. Well, you know, the, the, there's a ruling this week from the, the governor said that indoor mask mandates in public places, uh, i.e. Uh, restaurants, bars, gyms, you don't have to abide by that, mm -hmm. but it still holds for the public schools. It does, and it holds for the uh, SUNY universities, too. Yeah. Now, I mean, that age group, you mentioned high schoolers, but at the ages between 5 and 17, mm -hmm. that age group is least uh, at risk for serious illness or death. They are the 99.98% yeah. yeah. uh, recovery rate from COVID. It's, so why it's put crazy. them behind masks? Because I think the teachers are afraid. Yeah, some of them are. Some of them are. And it makes no sense to put like a six-year-old in a mask and tell them that they can't take it off for things like recess and just anything like that. I can't imagine that. Now, you know the science, you know, you're in pre-med, you know the science of this a lot better than I do. I mean, it, it can't be good to breathe in your own CO2 for seven or eight hours a day That's, without a break. It's not. It's actually terrible for your body because your um, cardiovascular system makes new blood from your heart and it go it travels in one direction and in that whole process on the molecular cell level 
the, there's expulsion of carbon dioxide because that's the waste that comes from all the chemical bonding and everything that happens and your body will push to expel that by like yawning or coughing or just like panting any of that stuff hmm. when you're like really out of breath or if you're just not getting enough new like fresh oxygen in to replenish your body and to push the rest of that waste out um, you might notice that you're like yawning uncontrollably like every second you're just like wow am i am i tired or something wow. or if you get to the top of a staircase in a mask and you're just like oh i i'm terribly out of shape you're really not you're just not getting enough oxygen into your body you know i i we, we've had to wear masks in the legislature for i don't know how long six months a year I, i've lost track but i haven't worn my mask in weeks <laughs> Even before the governor's announcement, which I, doesn't hold true for government buildings. I, I see everybody still with masks. And even if she were to, to tomorrow say, you know, even in, in uh, government buildings, you don't need to wear a mask. I, I would gather half the people there, maybe more than half, because most of them are Democrats, will continue to wear a mask. Yeah. And, they, and they're free to do that if they right. choose. That's, I choose not to. That's where I have a problem with it. Right. They can wear their masks all they want. I, I don't have anything against anybody who wants to continue to wear a mask right, even after because that's a personal choice. Sure. It shouldn't be the government's choice to tell me that I have to wear one if I feel like I'm not um, yeah. you know, susceptible to catching it terribly. If I wanted to wear one, I would out of thoughtfulness I, to someone else. Usually when you're sick, if you're really sick and you well, walk right. into a doctor's office, right. sometimes they'll have you put one on just to slow like the spread. Right. But it's not something that's always going to be... A preventative way to protect yourself or protect anyone else. They offer very little protection. Even the best masks are anywhere from 15 to 20 percent. That's the efficacy rate of most masks. So I mean, and, and I do wear a mask if I get on a, an elevator. Mm -hmm. Other people are on the elevator, I'll mask up. Or if I'm a, somewhere where I, I'm unable to socially distance, or mm -hmm. if I don't know if the uh, ventilation, ventilation is good or adequate, then I'll mask up. Mm -hmm. That's using my own common sense. Right. You should be free to use your own common sense rather than having to wear a mask at all times, everywhere, and yep. you know, with no one else around you. But I just wanted to point out something that's pretty interesting about... Um, pollution and the sizes, the scales that viruses and everything are on right. compared to the filtering of a face mask. So um, the way that the face masks are, are made with like the stitches and, and the fabric, those spaces in between, we really can't see them with the plain eye. They are almost microscopic, but if you look close enough, you can kind of see where it's, it's like a filter. Mm -hmm. So some things yeah. are getting through. If you pull up any pictures of the hemoglobin cells, blood cells, red blood cells. Um, bacterial cells are even smaller than a hemoglobin cell, and then the coronavirus is smaller than a bacterial cell. So try to envision this. A virus is not a cell. It's actually a parasite because it can't make cells. It can only just take from other things like take nutrients from a back some some viruses actually eat bacteria uh, other ones they they latch on to good cells and drain it of everything that it needs to survive because it can't reproduce all that stuff by itself kind of like government it yeah it doesn't produce yeah. anything it feeds <laughs> off the private sector. it is it has dna it has coding and everything in it but it, it has nothing to survive without you know, feeding on something else so the virus itself is actually on a nanometer scale which can only be seen with an electron microscope. And I would explain how that works, but it's a little bit, it's, it's a, a little, yeah it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot for a podcast. I really wouldn't even want to have to talk about it. It's, 
If you want to do your own research on it, it's really interesting. You just have to do some reading. The magnification is it's so intense and it's so small mm. that the electrons and everything of these atoms, it's, it's molecular. So, of course, it's completely unseen to the naked eye. And there's proteins and viruses. Their proteins are even a little smaller than some viruses. Uh, and viruses have protein envelopes on the outside. So they're all really, really tiny. A bacterial cell, which is also unseen to the naked eye, is bigger than a virus molecule. And then if you move up another, I don't know, I, on a scale, it's a pretty big difference. I'm looking at the scale. I mean, the coronavirus, cells, I mean. the cell, I mean, it's so tiny. The virus. The, the virus. <laughs> it's not a cell. The coronavirus. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. compared to bacteria, it's so much smaller than the right. than bacteria. Yeah. So and it's got to be able to get through that mass. It does. It easily can pass through these little openings. Um, if a hemoglobin cell is, it looks so much bigger than a virus and you can't see individual hemoglobin cells when you get your blood drawn, mm. um, that just goes to show what these people in government sector and, and health, worldwide health organization offices and, and all these public health bureaucracies and everything, they are telling you to, to wear your mask all over the place, outside, when you're in a restaurant until you're seated and just it's all of this randomness and then you think about that why would you even wear your mask at that point if that that viral molecule is going to pass so easily through that especially if somebody's close to you yeah. regardless of your mask you're or not, your vaccination status it doesn't you could right. still catch it because it's mean, so tiny yeah i think we're reaching the point now i think the omicron uh, uh virus is uh is waning i think we've reached our peak and i think We've got to be at a point where we're reaching, we are reaching herd immunity. Wouldn't mm -hmm. you say every, most people are vaccinated? New yeah. York State, over 90% of The numbers are actually going in a great direction. In a great direction, so. right. 90% of New Yorkers have had at least one shot. Most are fully vaccinated and boosted. And we're seeing the numbers go in the right direction. Then if that's the case. The governor told us this week and every last three weeks, the numbers have, have gone down. Mm -hmm. Hospitalizations, new infections, deaths. Then why keep the mandates in the schools? Yeah, I don't know. It's, Isn't that I'm so ridiculous? I don't think people, I think we, it's time for a little civil disobedience. I think parents should not uh, tell their kids, do not wear a mask. And, mm -hmm. and if your teacher has an issue with it, tell them to call me. Mm -hmm. That's where we, we need to be. I think it's... It's come to that, unfortunately. We just need yeah. to put our foot down. It'll end when we end it. Mm -hmm. Government's not going to end it. Hochul's not going to end it. There, I could do a, a separate show on that. We'll get into that and, and maybe this weekend. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think it's time now for the people to say enough is enough. We're not going to do it. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's not a law. It's, a mandate it's is a mandate. It's, it does not have the force of law. Well, Laws are passed one way mm -hmm. through the legislative process. The assembly passes a bill, the Senate passes the same bill, the governor signs it. That's how laws are adopted. Right, but it's it's because these mandates are coming down through the bureaucracy and, and, and educational administrations under the term regulation. I took some notes from a school board meeting. This was sent to me by a Facebook friend. The uh, Locust Valley Board of Education met this week and the, the vice president, not the president, but the vice president, in her closing comments, it was like over two hours long, the last three or four minutes, she laid out really what the left's plans are with the mask mandate. The Public Health Council is supposed to meet today, we're recording this on February 10th, to accept full mask covering regulation in an emergency capacity. 
the emergency process begins so Governor Hochul can again extend the mandate in order to get closer to the date of the permanent regulation acceptance meeting by the DOH. Now, I don't know, the Department of Health. I don't know when that is. But, I, you know, this, uh, this vice president of the board said it's bait and switch. Don't listen to Hochul. She's not telling you the truth. Keep the pressure on the DOH. Write letters. And this is me, me speaking here. Let them know that you're on to their little power grab. We know what this is about. The public comment section on the mask issue ends on Valentine's Day on the 14th, which is, I think, what, Monday? Yeah. For all parts of this determination. That is illegal. The mask mandate is illegal, it's unconstitutional, it's unlawful, and it was voided by a state Supreme Court judge mm -hmm. a couple of weeks back. Yeah, and that ruling, so much controversy over that. That shouldn't be. Yeah. That ruling stands. Everything else is noise. Don't listen to anything else. The mask mandate is noise. It does not have the force of law. However, forever maskers are attempting to backdoor this effort. They want to circumvent the legislative process in order to make face coverings permanent. They want a permanent status. Now, some legal experts, I've been reading on this, claim that once a regulation has permanent status, it carries the full weight of law. That implies emergency status, which is what we're in now, does not have the full weight of the law behind it. So the bottom line here, the result is face coverings for every New Yorker will be on the books in regulation form. Uh, covered entities, vaccine mandates, always on the books, in regulation form. Quarantines, forced isolation, in regulation form. Now, the lawmakers, some of them have got to know about this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to make sure some assembly members, if they don't know about it, if they're not aware of it, I'm going to make them aware of it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to touch it because they don't want their names anywhere associated with any kind of a law that would do this to people, that would use, would, would, would crush their liberties. Right, and because they know that they wouldn't be guaranteed re-election if that happens. Their constituents are not going to want to support. You know something? Contact your school superintendent because school superintendents can stop this if they band together. Legal teams can stop this. And this, this point was made by the vice president but of the But will year. they want to stop yes. it? Some of them will. Very, very few. The superintendents, I can't speak for them. Some of the school boards are split. Ours is 3-2 in our favor, conservatives. So maybe the, some of the school boards may be uh, on board. But you're right. A lot of the administrators, superintendents, tend to be liberal Democrats. Right. That's the case in our school that's, district. That's exactly it. That's why we're having so much trouble with, like, liberty. Um, I think we're just going to wrap up with talking about a parent's duty. And we did briefly mention this before, about a parent's duty in education with their children. It's the families and parents that live in the area who are contributing to the funds of that school, yeah, plus some the, from the state and then a little tiny bit from the federal government. Mm -hmm. Yeah, through our property taxes. Mm -hmm. That's how that's a, how a majority of, of school districts are funded. They get state aid, they get federal aid, but most of it comes through the local property taxpayer. So we have some skin in the game, and it's up to the parents. And we bring up, Mommy and I have tried to bring up you and your, your siblings in the ways of, of the Lord. You train your, your children up in the ways of God and, and they hopefully they will stay close to God throughout their entire lives. But you start with that, that's that's the uh, the foundation. Mm -hmm. God is the foundation. And that's, that's where a lot of kids are, are getting really conflicted is because they go off to public school and maybe they missed out on that foundation. Right. We can't blame anybody for that. It's just sometimes that's how it works out. But that public school is gonna continue to mar the minds of these young children and they're gonna start in kindergarten. 
it's not going to seem like much, but by the time they get to college, they are just hardened towards what Democrats think is right. They've become good little socialists, yeah. good little statists. And that's mm. really the aim of people in public education. John Dewey was a socialist, and he, he knew the importance of getting at young people's minds early and often and just and twisting them and getting right. them away. He was, he's, I don't know if he was an atheist. I think he was. But I mean, public education is in a really terrible state and it's taken so much of our tax dollars. I think it's 31 billion is the proposal this year at the state level, 31 billion dollars. Um, that should terrify you if it doesn't. It's unbelievable. Parents pay attention to public schools. Listen to what your kids are saying when they're talking about their assignments. Read their textbooks, read what the assignments are covering. You have to start paying attention to this because if you don't, these administrators are going to get away with whatever it is that they want to get away with. That's good advice. I mean, parents have to be more proactive in their children's education. It's up to you. It's not up. Don't leave it up to the government. They can't do anything well. The only thing the government does better, the public sector does better than the private sector is raise a standing army. That's the end of the list right there. That was the only reason it was intended. That was, that was why it was formed. And that's it. Don't leave education to, to your, your local school officials. Take the initiative yourself. And I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. We covered a lot of information here, and then I still have more to go because in part two, I'm going to discuss education theory, but it's going to be about how to deal with it when it becomes too much. Should you opt for private school? Should you opt for homeschooling? And I'm going to be discussing homeschooling on a detailed level. Thank you for having me, sweetheart. All right, it's right, it's been a pleasure being on with you. It's been really special, and I hope to have you on again. I look forward to it, sweetheart. All right, we, we'll catch you guys back next episode on The Essentials with Maddie Flint.